Well, good morning. It is wonderful to see you. Thanks for being at Northridge Church, whether you're here at Plymouth or one of our other regional campuses or watching online. We are absolutely thrilled that you've made the choice to be here. And if you're a guest, we hope that this will be one of the great experiences on your spiritual journey. We're in this series called The Book of Mark. We're taking one of the four books that are really written to relate a story of Jesus' ministry while he was on earth, and we're using it to help us to understand him more and understand ourselves as more, uh, more as well. And I have to tell you, it's so important that we understand how we naturally do or don't relate to God. And I have found over the course of my life, and I have found over the course of my ministry, that's what's true of me is also true of others, it's, it's so easy for us all to miss the point of life. I mean, we can get so bogged down in living the day-to-day, our moment-by-moment lives, dealing with the challenges, going with the frenetic pace, trying to fulfill our responsibilities and provide for those that we love and, and try and find some pleasure in our own lives, that, that we can go on the entire journey and miss the point to live for the wrong things. We can so easily seek greatness and meaning and significance in the wrong way, and It's not just us in this generation. It has been all human beings since Adam and Eve made the big move to do life without God. And and the book of Mark provides an unbelievably clear example of how profoundly we can miss the point even when it's right in front of us. You see, Mark tells us that time and time again, Jesus made it clear that, that his death... His death that would take place on the cross was central to why he came. He was born to die. He came to die as as a means of redeeming us. Since our wages, the wages we deserve, are death because of our sin, he was going to take our place. Death was central to his ministry. He came to give his life for others. And I want to show you how Jesus said it time and time again, and Mark makes it just crystal clear. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed after three days and rise again. I mean, it's pretty clear. I've got to die, but there'll be hope at the end of it. I'll rise again, but this is why I've come. My death is central to the reason I've come. And in Mark 8.31 in particular, he uses the word must two times. I must suffer. I must die. And a lot of people wonder, well, what's that about? Well... You see, because he came in fulfillment of God's promise that God himself would pay for the penalty of death of our sin. I mean, it's what had been prophesied all along. And if you're interested in a study on it, turn to Isaiah 53 sometime this week and, and you'll read words like these. But he, this is 700 years before Jesus walked the planet, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And this happens because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way, and so God the Father has laid on him, Messiah, the iniquity of us all. He, he came to fulfill that prophecy. He came to pay for the punishment of our sins. And then when he was first introduced as being this one who was fulfilling Isaiah, as being the one sent from God to fulfill the promise of giving us hope again, of redeeming us, John the Baptist saw him. And in John one twenty nine, he says, 
Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And there John makes it clear that every single animal that was sacrificed in the Old Testament for the temporary forgiveness of people's sins was simply pointing to when the true Messiah, the true Savior, the true Lamb of God, the one who would be perfect in a world where we have created such imperfection would would sacrifice himself for us. This is central to who he was, to his ministry. He came to die. And he said it again and again and again. And Mark tells us again in the next chapter. Mark 9.31. Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he'll rise again. He said it again. And then let's go to the 10th chapter, and Mark's going to say, He did it again. In fact, in the middle of verse 32, Mark chapter 10, Mark says, Again... He took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen. Now that word, that word again is really important. Because everything Jesus said while he was on this planet isn't recorded. I mean, the book, you know, you couldn't fit the book anywhere if that's what had happened. They record the major events that highlight the principles and promises that God wants us to know. But when Mark says again, he's saying... He said it again and again and again and again and again. And here he says it again. He takes them aside and tells them what's going to happen. We're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus said. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. And they're going to condemn him to death. And so they're going to hand him over to the Gentiles. So it will be the worst kind of cursed death. You know, they, they tortured people on crosses. And so they'd hand him over to the Romans so that he'd be brutalized. And he's saying this all in advance, and he says, and the the Romans will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. But three days later, he'll rise. So Jesus repeated this over and over and over. The point of my coming is to die for others, to serve for others, to be a ransom for others. And you'll never guess, I mean, you'll never guess what happened to the disciples. Well, you'll never guess if you weren't listening to my introduction. What happened to the disciples is they entirely missed the point. He kept saying, look it, death is the reason I've come. Death is central to my ministry. I'm coming to fulfill all the promises of of dying for sin, of paying the penalty for your sins, so that instead of you facing only death, being defined by your failures, you can be defined by forgiveness and face life and hope. I'm coming to die. And yet they missed the point. They totally missed it. I mean, right after, he says, again, he told him he's going to die and, and he's going to be flogged and spat upon and he's going to be beaten and, he's gonna, and it's going to be brutal. Look at what Mark tells us the disciples did. I mean, it's right on the heels. It says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Now, words are important. I've already said in Mark 8.31, it says he must suffer. He must die. That's important. He must I showed you then in Mark 10 how it says, again he said, in other this was a redundant part of his ministry. He, he made it very clear he was supposed to die. And here then, right after Jesus says, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be torn apart, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be killed, then, and when he uses the word then, he's saying, right then, right in that moment, the very next thing, James and John, on the heels of hearing that Jesus was going to die, came to him, And they said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Let's put it in our vernacular. 
Yeah, 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 we get it. You're going to die and suffer and be betrayed and all that stuff. Yeah, we get it. You've said it a billion times. But hey, we want you to do something for us. Now, isn't this just like us? God, we know you care about the world. We know there are real big things going on. And we know about all that different eternity and, you know, I mean, all that stuff's going on. But hey, we, we have some needs here. Like, you know, it's drizzling today. Could you, like, bring some sunshine? God, you know, it's, it's March 29th. What's the snow about? God looks down and says, you idiot, you live in Michigan. You know, that kind of thing. But we have, we, it's really weird. God's focusing on these unbelievably essential issues in life, and he's trying to help us to see them. And, and what do we do? We do exactly what they did. We, we miss the point. He says, you know, I'm about ready to fulfill the mission that God has given me to fulfill the promises he's given for thousands of years. The time has come. I'm going to die for the sins of humanity, for your sins. Then they come and said, we, we'd love for you to do what we want you to do. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, if I was Jesus, I would have responded with lightning bolts through the brain. But he didn't. Look at you. What do you want me to do for you? I'm going to tell you, we have an unbelievable God. And they replied, well, we know you're going to die and stuff, but we'd really like to be seated at your right hand and your left hand in your glory. You know, when you, you know, sit on your throne of greatness, when you're done with all this death stuff, we'd love to be your right and left hand men. (laughs) Brilliant. Now to me that's crazy. I don't know if you're getting it yet, but they're they're very focused on themselves here. Would you agree with that? I mean the whole world's going to hell. And they go, you know what, we'd really like the cool chairs in heaven. They were missing the point. They thought that all of life was about them and everything God was doing was supposed to be making their life more comfortable, more convenient, and living up more to their dreams. That's what they were all about. And so they missed everything that was important to God and everything that was important to what he was doing in the world. And I want you to get this. This is important. It wasn't just James and John that missed the point. If it was just James and John that missed the point, you and I could sit here and go, aren't there some stupid people in this world? They're idiots. Dumb. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, often I'm thinking this way. They're clueless. Did they have low IQs in the day? Were they, was there mercury in the water? You know, it's like, I, I mean, I just, it's really thing. But then God throws it in my face that it's not just them, it's me too. Because it wasn't just James and John, Mark went on, when the ten heard about this, when they heard about what? When they heard that James and John, in secret, went and asked Jesus for the two big chairs. Look, what, look at how they responded. They became indignant with James and John. You know what indignant means, right? Angry for the injustice Why were they angry? What was the injustice? That James and John asked for what they wanted and they asked before they had asked. Well, that just ticked them off. 
I mean, I, that's what we want. That's what we, we, they had been competing to be great all along. And what this tells us is that every single one of the disciples missed the point. Jesus is saying, I'm here to die. I'm here to bring redemption to the world. I'm here to fulfill the promises of God. And they're going, yeah, but I've got a splinter. They were missing the point. And this should really challenge us. Because it means that all of us are susceptible to the same problem, regardless of our personalities. You see, there are some of us here who, who think, yeah, those aggressive leadership type, those big mouth types like James and John and Peter, you know, the ones who are always in the front of the line on retreats with their teacher in third grade, you know those people? You know the ones who are always taking charge, the ones who get all the attention? Yeah, those people, they're obnoxious. They're ridiculous, but the truth is, all 12 disciples had very different personalities. Some of them were aggressive and out front and outspoken and leadership types like Peter and James and John, but, but it wasn't true of all of them. Some of them were more gentle shepherding types who stayed in the background and didn't mind that so much, and yet it was the gentle types, the support types, the background types, and the aggressive types, and the leadership types, and the upfront types who all missed the point And here's my point. We all miss the point. This isn't something where you can point down the road and go, oh my gosh. This isn't one of those things, and I know you do this sometimes. You you, you point up at the platform at me and go, he's an idiot. You know, because I tell the stories about myself, because I'm honest about myself. We're all the same thing. We're going to miss the point. And, And I want you to know, here's how we miss the point. We're trying to make much of our lives but we're trying to make much of our lives in the wrong way. We tend to love people and help people because we need them to need us rather than loving them genuinely in order to meet their needs. Some of us with leadership gifts, we tend to to lead people so that those people can make us great instead of us leading people so we can make their lives better. And whatever our personalities, we kind of miss the point. We're trying to make much of ourselves, but we're, we're doing it at the expense of others or without true, genuine concern for others. But Jesus makes it clear in the next couple of verses, that's not how it's supposed to work in his kingdom and his family. That's not how it's supposed to work for those of us who follow him. We're not supposed to use people for our advantage. We're supposed to use our advantages to serve people. Get this down. We're not supposed to use people for our advantage, to meet our needs, to make us feel better about ourselves, to sab our conscience, to help our agendas and dreams. We're supposed to use all the advantages God gives us to serve other people. And they were missing the point because here Jesus was saying, I'm here to serve the world. God so loved the world that I'm here to die so that they might have life. And they're going, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, can, can we have big boy chairs? So Jesus calls them all together because all of them had the problem. You might as well look at it this way. It's like calling us all together. He's calling us all together right now to hear this. Jesus called them all together and he said, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, those who rule other people who don't know me, lord it over the people they rule. And their high officials, people with positions of power and authority, use that authority over people, not for people. 
What Jesus is saying is these people seek to make much of their lives at the expense of others. They're, they're using people to advantage themselves. But then Jesus says these four words, not so with you, not so. This is not how it's supposed to be with you. Instead, he says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You know what Jesus is saying? In the world, people seek to make much of their lives at the expense of others. They, they use everything they can to advantage themselves, even if it hurts other people, but that's not how it's supposed to be with you. In your world, you are supposed to make much of your lives by making much of other people's lives. He's saying the only way you can become much in my kingdom and the only way you can bring pleasure to God is is by using everything I've given you to to lift others up, to help others. Then God will make much out of your life. And then he finishes this way, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't know if you, you see it clearly yet or not, but That's not a description of our world, the one that he's calling us to. The description of our world is that the majority are missing the point entirely and they're serving themselves. The reason we have so much war and conflict and tension and junk and brokenness and betrayal in our lives is because we're all advantaging ourselves. And we're even helping each other out, but we're generally helping each other out to meet some need of conscience or some need of of agenda making in our lives. And then when it all goes wrong, then we start hurting each other. And he's saying, that's not how it's supposed to be. I'm here to allow myself to be hurt so that I can rescue the world. And here's the truth I want you to see as we fully move into this week where we're heading towards the cross and then on the other side of the cross, the resurrection. I want you to know that The truth is that in God's kingdom, the only way to make much of ourselves, the only way to find what we're looking for in life, and we all all want to find lives of meaning and significance and value and impact. We all want to make a difference in one way or another, but the only way to make much of ourselves is by making much of others. Not at the expense of others, but if necessary, at the expense of ourselves. That's what Jesus did, right? He saw himself as expendable to redeem the world. Greatness isn't measured by how many people we rule or how many people know about us. Greatness is measured by how many we serve. And that's how most of us miss the point. And that brings into real clarity the cross itself. I want you to know that everything Jesus talked about, you guys are making much of yourselves at the expense of others, but... You're supposed to be making much of yourselves by making much of others. Look at me, I'm, I'm here not to be served, but to serve others, to give my life as a ransom for many. You know what the great picture of what our lives are supposed to be about is, is seen in? The great picture is seen in the cross, the cross itself. And I, I, I think it's weird. We, I, I thought it was so beautiful, the worship we had this weekend uh, on the cross. It was so focused, it was so meaningful, it was so poignant and powerful to me at least. But we sing about the cross and we talk about the cross. Many of us wear the crosses and many of us have the symbol of the cross in our homes and in different places and many of us honor the cross. Some of us don't honor the cross but we despise it for the wrong reasons. And I'm going to tell you that, that the cross itself is a daily declaration that most of us are missing the point. Because the cross is a symbol that Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve didn't come to make much of his life by getting, but came to make much of his life by giving. 
And yet even those of us who sing the songs and call on his name, we kind of miss the point. Just like the disciples, every one of them missed the point. He said, man, this isn't what it's about. And then he exemplified the whole thing by dying on that cross. And I love how Paul captures this. And I hope it will impact you like it did me. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. You could do through through 9 if you wanted. But I'm thinking 3 through 9 would do better. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, can you just stop there? Couldn't we like spend a century having a conversation about that statement? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Oops. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What Jesus say? Not so with you. Other people do it for their own ambitions, to meet their needs, to stab their conscience, whatever. But you're not supposed to do that. And then Paul says, but in humility, this is what we're supposed to do. Consider others better than yourselves. Isn't that what Jesus said in Mark 10? Look at the, the, the people who don't know God. They, they use their advantages to take advantage of other people, but, but not so with you. You're supposed to use the advantages that I've given you to help advantage other people and and Paul's saying, yeah, we're not supposed to do anything selfishly. We're supposed to, in humility, consider others better than ourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you know how our world would change if this is how we lived? If we really worshipped the cross, if we really fell on our knees at the cross, if we really followed Jesus as he pictured life at the cross, this world would be different. Our marriages would be different. Our families would be different. Our marketplace settings would be different. Our churches would be different. The way we led would be different. The way we followed would be different. We'd be different. But we're not different because we're still living as uh, those who don't know God instead of as Jesus showed us on the cross. And then Paul goes right to the cross. He says, you know, let me give you the picture of it. He says, this is what it's supposed to look like. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And this was his attitude. He was in very nature God. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He wasn't trying to be something big. And that, that's what we're trying to do, trying to be something big. We're trying to make much of our lives, and so we do it at the expense of others. We climb on each other's backs, or we use people to meet our needs whatever, in whatever way we do it. But he's saying, Jesus wasn't trying to grasp greatness. He was greatness. And then he says, but, but he made himself. Because he was great, he, he didn't have to keep filling himself up with all this perception stuff, and so he made himself nothing. And here's how he did it. He took on the very nature of a servant. He he allowed himself to be made in human likeness. God, the creator, became humanity. And then, when he was found in appearance as a man, he, he didn't elevate himself. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so what did God do? So God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, there is no one that God has made more exalted than Jesus. And how did Jesus get exalted? By making much of others. Do you see how messed up we are? Every day we wake up and go into this world and we try and meet our needs for significance and value and meaning. We try and make much out of ourselves at the expense of other people. We use other people, we step on other people, we betray other people, we break promises to other people when the heat is on. We miss the point. 
And all the while, then we sing about the cross. Oh, you know, what a wonderful cross it is. And, you know, at the cross, isn't it beautiful? And, and we're missing the whole point. I'm telling you, here we are celebrating the cross and we're missing the point. And I want you to know, the cross is the great picture of how we're supposed to live, allowing God to make much of us as we do everything we can to make much of others. But the beauty of the cross is is the picture it paints for each and every one of us. And I think that, I know I am often, and I think you are often confused about the cross. And so I just, I just want to give you a fresh picture of it this weekend. The cross reveals the true depth of our need. I mean, it really does. Do you realize if our need wasn't all that great... God wouldn't have done this unbelievable thing of wrapping himself up in human flesh, coming down and allowing himself to be tortured and brutally murdered in order to meet our needs. It it wasn't like he was bored and looking for a new opportunity. He suffered on the cross in our place because our imperfection demands punishment. Our failure and sin and guilt demands punishment. And he told us what the punishment was before we ever chose to sin against him. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins will die. He told Adam and Eve in the garden, look it, if you choose to live without me to sin against me, Death is the result. He told us it's always been the consequence to sin. And the reason is simple. The minute you detach yourself from the one who is life, you only have death as an option. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. But, and that but is so great, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the cross reveals the true depth of our need. You can have everything this world affords and you will still have nothing until you have God's forgiveness and God's love and God, a relationship with God and the cross is the only way. He died for our sin so we could once again live. The cross, that which he came to do, die on the cross, was to give us what we so desperately need but we missed the point. Here he was telling his disciples, look it, I'm going to die so that you can live and they're going... Yeah, we don't care about that. We want the big boy chairs in your kingdom. Because you see, if we sit in the big boy chairs in your kingdom, can you tell I've been watching my grandkids? The big boy chairs, what is that? Sounds like there's potty training going on in this exercise. But They they were thinking if they could get bigger seats in life, then they'd have, be happy. Then the emptiness wouldn't plague them. Then their disappointments and brokenness wouldn't do it. If they could just have what they don't have, what they dream of having, then life would be okay. And Jesus is saying, no, life won't be okay. There's only one way life will be okay, and that's if I do for you what you're not doing for one another, and that's give myself for you, make much of you, live for you. And, and so he did. And then he calls us to, once we receive the deep needs being met by his grace, to then do as he did. 
now that you're not trying to scrape together a life that has meaning for you, now that you've experienced my meaning, now make much of others. Do you see it? The cross reveals the true depth of our need. We have a deep need for God. And then the cross reveals the true depth of God's love. I mean, take the whole picture. The cross reveals the true depth of God's love. I love how Paul said it in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were ignoring what he was telling us and asking for something else like James and John, while, while we were missing the point, while we were his enemies and working against his cause, while, while we were trying to make much of ourselves as he was trying to get us to make much of others, he died for us. We sang a song earlier in our, in our worship around the cross that said, at the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. And then this sentence, where your love ran red and my sins washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. Do you realize our lives will always be defined by failure and destruction and brokenness and pain and death and loss until we accept what he did for us on the cross in love by taking the brokenness and the pain and, and the judgment on himself so that we could have the freedom only he truly had earned. The cross reveals the true depth of our need. The cross reveals the true depth of God's love. And here, I know it's hard for some people to reconcile the idea of God's love with all this death and suffering stuff. I mean, I, I love it that so many come to Northridge who, who aren't like into the whole Bible, Jesus, Christian thing yet. They don't, they're trying to figure that thing out and whether it even makes sense to them. And, and for many of you, it's like, okay, I just don't get it. I mean cross and nails and bleeding and thorns and sky and he had to be brutalized and, and and you think why didn't God just forgive the world? He's God. Why why didn't he just let him off the hook? Why why didn't he just do what many of us do in golf? Why didn't he just cheat a little bit? Mulligan do over, no big deal. Why did he have to punish Jesus so severely to provide forgiveness? Why the cross at all? Why did death have to be at the center of Jesus' ministry? Well, the answer is found in understanding the character of God. You see, God is just. Now, it's hard for us to understand justice because we live in a world defined by injustice. But when we're really honest, it makes us angry when we experience injustice in our lives. Think about people who've had a child brutally tortured or murdered. And then the judge says, yeah, you know, let's give them a couple years. What happens to that family? Or what happens when someone brutalizes another person and they get off scot-free? What happens? People get angry. Why? Because that's injustice. Well, God is just. And justice demands punishing the guilty. And so since death is the just consequence of sinning against God, if God is just, he can't just blink at it or wink at it or give a do-over. What's he have to do? He has to punish the guilt. He's just. But you know what's interesting about God? He's not 
only just, he's also love. And this is where the cross becomes so powerful. Because love, true love, not our kind of love, but true love can't abandon the person, not even when they commit the most vile offense imaginable. True love can't walk away. True love does everything it can. And this is why Jesus came and died. It's because God is just and he has to punish the guilt, the wages of sin is death. But because he's love, he can't abandon sinners. And so he came himself and in love died in our place. And that's why the cross. He came to make much of us who had made such a shambles of our lives. And since we so desperately need God's forgiveness, since he in love paid the full price to make forgiveness possible, since he is the only one in the history of the world who came to make much of us, to lift us up, though we were tearing ourselves and everything around us down, why wouldn't we receive him? Why wouldn't we kneel at the cross and embrace him? Jesus came to make much of you to rescue you, to lift you up, to redeem you. But he can't until you come to him and open your life to him. And so before I bring this talk to its conclusion, I, I know there are some of you here who've just never experienced his forgiveness. You're still trying to fill your life from the outside, but he can change you from the inside. And I want to give you that chance. And so I'm going to invite you, if you'd bow with me just for a moment, for a moment of prayer. It's just like a time of reflection before we finish the talk. And if you're here and you're saying, I've just never experienced his forgiveness that way, then I want you to pray with me. I want to ask you to pray with me. Take my words and make them your words to God. And in your heart, just say, God, I need you, but I don't deserve you. I've made a mess of my life by trying to do life my way. But I want to start doing life your way. Jesus, you died on the cross to, to pay the penalty for my sin and shame. And so I confess my sin and receive your forgiveness. And you rose again to give me new life and I'm by faith receiving that new life asking you to change me in Jesus name Amen now before I give you the conclusion the, the big so what of this passage I, I, if you just prayed with me let me know would you I mean we live to see people take steps in their relationship with God and if you just did it would be such an encouragement to know but more than that we've put together information for you that can help you take your next steps with God but we have to get it to you to get it to you we have to know you want it and so in the programs that you were handed as you came into our services at whatever campus you're at uh, there's this connection card all you have to do is fill it out so we can get the stuff to you check that circle at the bottom that says you prayed with me and then the way you get this card back to us is there are boxes at every single exit you go out the exit look you just throw it in there or you can take it to our guest service area and give it to them and uh, what we'll do is we'll send you information about next steps you can take and if you're watching online just hit the what next button and we'll do the same for you so the the cross is the center of why Jesus came. The cross is this beautiful picture of our deep need and of God's deep love for us. But there's one last thing, and it really goes with the whole issue of Mark 10. 
One last thing the cross reveals. The cross reveals the true definition of greatness. And this is what the disciples missed and this is what we so often miss. The cross reveals the true definition of greatness. Do you know what it is? It's becoming like Jesus. People who serve others rather than serving themselves. God even said in Romans 8, 29, this is what I've called you to, to be conformed to the likeness of my son. God wants us to conform to Jesus' likeness, to stop making much of ourselves at the expense of others and instead make much of others and allow God to make much of us. True greatness is found in making much of others. True greatness is found in lifting others up, not in pulling them down. It's found in using all of our benefits to help others, not in using people for our benefit. It's found in serving. And if we miss this, and can we be honest for a minute? Most of us miss it. If we miss this, we're missing the whole point of the cross. We're missing the whole point of Jesus. So let me give you this application. If we want to make much of ourselves in life, and don't even pretend, I don't care. Yes, you do. Your whole life is about finding meaning and significance and value and knowing that you count and that you matter. If you really want to make much out of your life, then you need to make much of others. That's how you do it. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Imitate God. And here's how you imitate God. Live a life of love. Live a life of love. And you want another picture of it? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Live a life of love for others as pictured by what Jesus did on the cross. The question is, are you or are you missing the point? And I'm asking myself because I'm telling you I miss the point a lot. Are you making much of others or are you missing the point and living to make much of yourself? Just think about your life in your home. I mean, if you're married and have a family, what, you know, you, are you living to make much of others or are you kind of you know, trying to make sure they make much of you? If you're single with your relationships and your friends, I mean... How do you work your life? Is it about you or is it about investing in others? At, at your work, trying to help others get ahead? Yeah, that sounds a lot like what work's like. Or are you trying to get ahead alone? Remember, don't be selfish in your ambitions or vain in your conceit. You know, consider others' interests as highly as you consider your own. What do you like in your community, in your neighborhood? here's what we should be doing. We should be looking for ways to love the people in our world, looking for ways to help them, to lift them up, to support them, to serve them. You know, we should be willing to go out of our way for them. Be willing to be inconvenienced. After all, Jesus was a bit inconvenienced when he died on the cross. And I'm going to tell you, there are tons of ways to do this, obviously, necessary ways. But one great way to serve others is to introduce them to Jesus and the power of his cross. Because it's why he came, you know. He came so that people could know God's love. It's their great need. It's the only way they can experience the greatness of his love. And you have, a, you have such a great opportunity this week here at Northridge to, 
to introduce people to the power of God's love and the power of his hope in their lives because we're moving towards Easter. And not only is the culture more conscious of, oh, the whole church thing and all that at Easter, not only is it easier, but, but we, we have, at Northridge, 16 services. I mean, we've made it so easy for you to invite people, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Because you're going to say, hey, do you want to you, you come to Easter? No, I'm sorry, I'm busy on Sunday. That's okay. We have services on Saturday. Oh, yeah, no, I'm busy on Saturday too. That's okay. We have services on Friday. You know, I'm busy on Friday too. Well, then go to hell then. I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Don't say that to people. But you have an opportunity to invite people. And we've put out these invitation cards. You can get them at our guest service desks and everything. And on these invitation cards, all the information about all of our different services at all our campuses, and there are cards you can rip off and give to people. And, and it's just a great, convenient way to invite people. Please get some of these and invite people. At all of our regional campuses, we have two services, 9 and 11 on Sunday, and here we have 10 services, four on Friday, like four on Saturday, and two on Sunday. I'm just tired talking about it. And uh, it's going to be an awesome opportunity. Listen, Jesus came for one reason, to redeem us. And everyone you'll see this week and everyone you've ever seen in all of your life is someone who desperately needs that and we have a chance to serve them and all we have to do is invite them. Let's do it this week. And I hope you'll choose a unique service. If you choose 11 o'clock on Sunday, that might be a mistake, right? And so... I just look forward to seeing you with your friends. Let's change the world. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.